You're listening to Two Therapists in Therapy, a podcast about self-growth, parenthood, relationships, and all things therapy. I'm Sarah Brill, a licensed clinical social worker, licensed marriage and family therapist, and EMDR trauma therapist. And I'm Becca Moravec, licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and certified Enneagram practitioner. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Becca. How are you doing today? Oh, I, um, it's been, a, it's been quite a morning. <laughs> it has been quite a morning. Yes. We took our little ones, um, to the zoo this morning and I had an active exercise in staying regulated, um, with very intense, humongous feelings. You did great. Thank you. I appreciate that. We were grounded. It was cool. cool to watch. Thanks. Thanks, Becca. Yeah, it was it was a good two hours of about three massive meltdowns. So um feeling a little bit tired from all of that, but also um proud of my little guy for knowing that he needed a nap when we got home. He yeah. said he said he needed a nap. Little humans have big feelings, especially when they're tired. Yeah. And hot. It was like, it was like 93 degrees by 10 a.m. Yeah. So it was, it's crazy. It was really hot. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you feeling today? Um, I continue to feel good and feeling like integrated postpartum. Um, and I'm really like contemplative about the topic that we're going to talk about today. Um, which if I can just say is, is we're going to talk a little bit about death. Um, because I just attended a funeral for, um, a family member who is in like the last generation of that generation, if that makes any sense. Um, yesterday. Uh, and so I just like in a place of contemplation, um, about how, um, about family and life and death and all that. So a little bit, I'm a little bit, um, serious, I would say is my like affect. Well, I like a good, a good serious affect. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. Can I tell you that one time my therapist told me that I need to be met in my seriousness. Well, I'm so happy to meet you in your seriousness. I um, grew up in a family where one of my dad's favorite sayings to me was lighten up, which um, I, at this point in our relationship, I think of it fondly that he would say that to me um, as someone who was an emergency room physician and spent a lot of time, I think in the darkness himself, I think it was a reflection of his own defense mechanisms. But, um, yeah, I am also, I have the capacity and propensity to be very serious. And so I'm always happy when someone else wants to get serious. So let's get serious. Let's get serious. 
um my my like i i'm glad you look at it fondly because when you say lighten up my whole body is like yeah. no <laughs> i mean i feel that too and being told that as a kid i hated it i like i despised being told lighten up but but now i know that that wasn't about me that was about yeah. him yeah. so um but anyway so I think, yeah, should we maybe start off by just sort of elaborating a little bit more um, in terms of like what inspired this topic? Yeah. Um, Sarah, well, can I start with that? you? Yeah. Because there's a few things. And, and so I'm curious what inspired this topic for you? Well, I think for me, like death has been sort of in the background Um, I would say for the past year, I lost my, my favorite aunt who I was really close to, um, in November of 2022. And, um, we knew she was going downhill. Her actual death was like really sudden. Um, but I didn't get to say goodbye. And then my dad has been really sick for the majority of this year, 2023 and, um, has been going pretty steadily downhill. And so death has been really on my mind pretty much 24 seven. Um, and so I've been, you know, processing a lot, it a lot with friends and with my husband. And also I went to a death doula training, um, a few weekends ago that, kind of sparked a lot of, a lot of thoughts about deep uh, death on a whole different level, which we can talk about in a little bit. So, um, for me, that's sort of what has been inspiring wanting to talk about death as a topic on this podcast. And then, um, what about for you? Yeah. And I, um, and I also, I, I'm like just brainstorming that there will probably be a content warning on this because it's also okay if you're not in a place to listen to a conversation about this topic. Um, and for me, I'm kind of always willing to have a conversation about this topic. Um, so it's been on my mind because I've been, you know, um, really excited to hear about your death doula training and also, um, death has been really present in my life because I um, grew up in a multi-generational family um, that was three generations um, when I was little, four generations, but really for the majority of my life having three generations. And so that top generation and the next generation, no, my uncle who died was the fourth generation. So I grew up with four generations. Yeah. Um, I wasn't counting my parents' generation, but they count as one. So the top generation, the fourth generation, just a lot of funerals. And then the third generation, my grandparents' generation. Um, I've lost both of my grandparents since 2019. And um, so I've just been thinking about how we face it and how we look at it. And obviously different for different people, for like, relationally different people. Like I went to a funeral yesterday for my uncle Willie and, um, a lot of people were like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And my response was like, thank you. And it's not sad because, um, he was four days shy of his 99th birthday. So not sad in the way of a sudden death or, you know, a parent's death. 
Um, he was removed from me and also lived this like really long, beautiful life. So I'm a little bit rambly, but no, you're not, you're not. And it's interesting because what I was thinking about as you were sharing is like, it's not surprising to me that death is a topic that doesn't feel taboo for you or hard maybe for you to talk about because, because you have been exposed to so many generations in your family, which I think is pretty uncommon in our country and maybe not like depending on people's maybe um, like how young their families are or maybe how the, their family culture maybe yeah. talks about death. But I would say on the whole, in terms of like, clients that I deal with and friends that I have. Um, I don't think that the majority of people are often exposed to like generational passing away and like lots of funerals and kind of having to face the, the life cycle. I think our country does a lot to like do away with death. And something that I was thinking about when I was doing my death doula training is like the intersection of like denying death and capitalism because like when you are having to think about your death every day and when you're really having to face it, it's a reality and you see like people that you love passing away and you're having to grieve and grapple with impermanence. It really makes you evaluate your life on a different level. And it makes, I would imagine makes you less likely to work your life away in an office without spending any time doing the things you love or with the people that you love. So wow, there's something really interesting about, about yeah. that too. Yeah. Do you want to, can we stay there for a minute? Cause yeah. that's a really interesting and cool concept that I completely agree with. And I'm pretty fascinated by that intersection. Um, What's coming up for you right now? Just like, I, I, first of all, I'm like wondering how that's informed my life and like how I'm doing life and how I've never, I don't know, wanted to work my life away. Yeah. I would say you have a lot, you always have had a lot of balance in your life. Like not that every, like just from having known you for a long time, even in hard seasons, I do feel like you're really good at like work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. I don't Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about that. That's, you know, I, that's like the number one thing I'm, um, I'm reading the Enneagram relationships and intimacy. It's the last book that David Daniels wrote. Um, and his daughter actually had to finish it because he died during the writing of it. Um, he's kind of one of the Enneagram gurus and they they talk about like, um, uh, they call octan, octanarians or, People in their 80s uh-huh. <laughs> like, never say, I wish I would have worked more. Like, um, yeah. And and so I think that's an interesting tie to capitalism. And also just thinking about your death doula training, like being conscious about death also might help us make conscious decisions. Um, I mean, this is not the whole topic today at all, but I'm just thinking about how much money is spent at the end of life in caretaking. And if we're more conscious of that, then like we can be more conscious in our care too. Um, like the, like the medical spending and medical debt at end of life is like the biggest chunk. Um, and so like what, if we were more conscious about like our end of life plans, 
how that might look different. Um, yeah, that, that tie, I just really appreciate you mentioning the tie between our denial of death and capitalism. Yeah, it's, well, it's, but it, so this kind of like segues into sort of like kind of this other piece that you and I have been sort of tossing around, which is like, um, how I think you and I both agree on this idea that like, it would be so much more healing for our, um, society and for our families and for our own mental health, if we could be more open and, um, face death and talk about it as something that is inevitably going to happen and talk about how we want it to happen. I mean, we, a lot of times we don't have any control, but, um, you know, talking about what we would want the end to look like or how we want our family, what we want our families to do with our bodies and what we want our funerals to look like and things like that, that are, um, often like really, really, really taboo topics. Like, I went to my death doula training and I didn't really know what it was going to be about. Go ahead. Can you share just for people who might not even know the word doula? Like yeah. what, what the death doula training is. So I, what inspired this training for me was I, in March, my dad um, got really, he had had to have an emergency surgery um and he lives in Mexico and when he was in the hospital in Mexico he contracted COVID and he contracted a really really serious case of it and almost died um and so I went down to be with him and I was down there for three weeks and thought that we were going to lose him while I was there and then he he made a recovery um and when I say recovery like I mean this is still what month are we in? Anyway, many months later, he's still pretty bedridden, um, for many reasons. But anyway, I just started to really feel at that time, like I need to start making peace with death. And my dad is an incredibly important person to me in my life and always has been. And our relationship is complicated. And he is a white male who was born in 1940. And there are a lot of there are a lot of things about him and our relationship with each other that are complicated and layered, but I um, love my dad so, so deeply. And the thought of losing him um, has been pretty earth shattering for me. And so anyway, I came home and kind of had a little bit of a crisis. Like it was a month of just incredibly intense anxiety and not being able to sleep and, just overwhelm, uh, like a, a grief hangover, or maybe even just processing the grief of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, I don't have probably very much long, longer left with him. And a good friend of mine was like, Oh, I'm going to this death doula training. You might be interested in it. And I really didn't even know anything about it. I just thought like, I remember I had a doula when I gave birth. And the doula's job was really to educate me on what my options were and help me have a voice um, in the delivery room and make sure that I had as much autonomy over a very out of control process as possible and a, a process that has been really industrialized 
by our society and our country um, where women have really, the power has been taken away from them. And so I, um, so I assumed this would probably be a similar process of like getting education around the death and dying process, um, and possibly learning how to be like an intermediary or somebody that supports a family or a person as they're crossing that threshold. But I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just did it as a response to like feeling overwhelmed by my own grief. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. So I did it through this incredible nonprofit called death wives. They're known all over the country. They're based in Denver, but they, um, they're pretty famous. I again, didn't know that, but, um, they're a, a duo, a female duo. One is that one woman was a funeral. Um, she was a, what's it called? A funeral director. She was a funeral director. And then the other woman, um, I think she was a wedding planner who just had like a ton of death in her life and then started, um, officiating funerals and then decided like got really passionate about educating families, um, and helping families when they're in this transition. First of all, from like a fine, am I become, am I too long winded about this or is this oh, interesting? It's interesting. Um, but first of all, from like a financial standpoint, because to hire a death doula is like two or $3,000 and they like come to your house. They help you as your loved one is transitioning. They help you prepare the body afterwards. They, they help you understand all of your different options, which, um, I don't know how detailed we want to get into those options today on the podcast, but I will just say that I learned that things like cremation and going to a funeral home and, you know, getting involved and things like that are actually like they're, they do some pretty violent things to the human body that I had no idea about. And, um, a death doula will educate you on all of that and help you understand, you know, um, things that are less violent, more honoring of your body, better for the environment and much more affordable for your family. If going to a funeral home can be, I guess, at least like $10,000. So, um, it's just something that's really like, good for people to know as an option that they have. So anyway, if you are losing on the verge of losing a loved one or anticipate that happening to you anytime soon, I would really recommend reaching out to this organization, Death Wives. They have a lot of different doulas that can come and help your family. But anyway, that's sort of like what, um, what that whole training was about. And I, I lost my train of thought about why why I went down this rabbit hole. <laughs> How did you start talking about this? I just asked what a death doula was. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were talking about like what inspired this conversation. Yeah. So I think we were been talking about because I went to this training and it was very much like, open your eyes. This is going to happen to everyone that you love. It's going to happen to you. You can either face it and be educated about it or you can pretend it's not going to happen and then basically have a lot of things happen to you and to your loved ones um, really fast and have it cost a ton of money mm -hmm. and have it add to the trauma of you losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. And so like when you were saying, like, I wish people could be 
just more open and facing and accepting of death, we started having this back and forth around it. And so I think it'd just be helpful for us to talk more about that. And I, I guess I want to ask you, like, how did you arrive at this point of, of wishing that it could be more of a conversation in our society and more of something that we face collectively? Yeah. And I think, I mean, facing it doesn't make it easy. I think that's like the also thing, like when I, when I think about this, but I think that at growing up in a multi-generational family and, and like now being where I'm at and my parents being the age they're at, I know Mm -hmm. that like, like every time I go to a funeral, all I think of like is that I have to do another and I have to do another and I have to do another. And also what a gift, like a lot of my grief yesterday was, my uncle Willie was the last of the fourth generation above me and like how beautiful that I got to be with it. But the beauty also meant that I had to sit with the pain, right? Like, like the opportunity to know those people meant that I also had to the opportunity to lose them, which just feels like really true in life. Right. And so I think when we just like, when we shut down one emotion, we shut down all the emotions, right? We can't, we can't selectively numb. And I think that we think we can when it comes to death. Um, And so I think that, I think it does us a great like disservice when we deny death, because I actually think we then don't see the whole scope and we deny this part of us that may live differently because we know that we're not promised tomorrow. Like, I know that's like such a cliche saying that we're not promised tomorrow, but like, I think about that, like we're not promised tomorrow. And so how do we want to do life? Like, and how do we want to do community? Um, And how do we want to do family? And so I think that's the part of me that's like, that matters. Like, you know, I think about pets, like, and people like, don't talk about it. And I'm like, the part of me that wants to face it is the part that really wants to cherish and make sacred every moment I have with this being that is my pet. And I, and I'm not saying there's this other part of me that's like, I don't, we don't need to think about it every day and every moment and every second, but like the seriousness. So meeting me and my seriousness is like, this is why we work on our relationships so that we're not in fights because we're not promised tomorrow. Right. Um, It's like, how do I want to do my life? Because I know that this is temporary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, what's so fascinating to me about what you just said is I agree with every single sentence that you just said, literally every single sentence. And I also feel like I do my best to actually live that way. And what's been weird for me, um, is with both my dad and my aunt. I was very close with my aunt. She was really sick. Um, Like I said, she died pretty suddenly, but she was going downhill for a while. And I, I didn't call her like, and I remember you, I think you asking me like, do you want to call her? I remember us sitting on my couch together and you asking me that question and me being like, I don't know if I can. Yeah. And I didn't, and I didn't say goodbye and I didn't tell her how much I loved her. And I still have so much regret about that. And 
it was because the pain of like facing her death was so overwhelming for me. And I feel the same thing coming up for me around my dad, which is like, you know, I, it's hard for me to pick up the phone and call him right now. It's hard for me to engage with him. And, um, you know, I feel a lot of like judgment towards myself as I'm sharing that because it's, it's in, it's doesn't align with my values. It doesn't align with what I intellectually and like, yeah, intellectually rationally believe, but on an emotional level, um, having to face the loss is so excruciating and brings me into this really, really dark place. Um, and so, you know, with my dad, I'm, I'm not, not calling him, but it just really takes a lot out of me when I call him. I find myself in this really, really, really sad place for the rest of the day. And I don't always feel like I have the capacity to do that. And I'm, I'm just sharing that to say, um, it gives from an intellectual place. I have found myself judgmental towards people that have run away from the loss of a loved one in the past. Like, how could anyone do that? And as someone who has, has believed that it's interesting to see that tendency coming up in me. And I don't think I've run away from my dad. I really don't, but I feel the, I feel the desire to. Yeah. Yeah. And because I love him so much and because it is so painful to be with that inevitability to actually like welcome it in and sit with it and be completely powerless over it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, the dissonance we're like talking about is we can think this and then when it's, when you're facing it, like there isn't, and you are the one who kind of brought this up is there isn't the community and like societal support that like really allows us to do that. And I a hundred percent empathize my, my, grandfather died in 2019 and Christmas 2018 I knew it was his last Christmas and I I mean I, a friend was getting married um but I didn't have to go I, a friend was getting married in Korea and I didn't have to extend that trip and I like purposefully extended it because I didn't want to be there for the last Christmas I couldn't handle it um so so I also yeah, I think that is the hard part is like, we can t- talk about how we'd like it to be. And it's like really hard to face it. Yeah. And I think what what feels frustrating to me about it in our country is it makes me think about two things. One is, like I mentioned, my dad is in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, he has several people in addition to my mom that help to take care of him. And both people are Mexican and they, um, have said to him and to me when I've been down there multiple times, like in Mexico, this would never happen. Someone would not be dying alone without their family. Like family would be here sitting every single day, spending time. And like from the time that someone starts dying until the end, like they are surrounded by their family. And also the infrastructure of their society, like there is so much reverence for death. There is Dia de los Muertos. There is 
their culture is honors death and is it's a part of the fabric of their society and it is not in ours. It is, um, you know, it's, it's not at all. We don't talk about it. Like I said, people don't know what their options are for the most part when they pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, we usually hand it over to a corporate funeral home to deal with and kind of wash our hands of it. And whereas birth in this country is like this incredibly, I mean, maternity leave sucks and we have a lot of issues with birth here too, but I would say, and I tell me if you disagree, Becca, but I feel like on a collective level in terms of like the celebration around it and the like posting about it and the talking about it and the getting excited about it and the planning around it and um, the ritual around it feels so much more flushed out and celebrated and part of our society. Um, but death is like, and they're both, they're both equal. They're both inevitable things that every human being goes through. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not at all treated the same in our society. No. And it's, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask my mom, but I I'm thinking there's this story. Um, you know, I come from a Hispanic family and it, there's a story of like when her grandmother was sick in the hospital and like everybody showed up mm-hmm. and that it's also very personal. Right. So like th- it's more complex than like this culture does this correct. And this culture does yeah. it because I also remember her wanting to kick everybody out and be like, get away. Yeah. Right? And so like, but, but I think the issue is we don't have the support yeah, the support or, or a celebration or even the, I don't know what the opposite of taboo is like the, the normalcy to talk about it. Like, um, yesterday and I don't, I am hoping I'm not tangenting, but yesterday Mm -hmm. I was at this funeral and my family, my immediate family, we went out to lunch afterwards and the waiter said, cause we were all in dress clothes and someone's the waiter said, Oh, what are you all celebrating? And we all kind of looked at each other, like, do we say out loud? Like, it felt like, like cursing, you know, it felt like saying something awful to be like, oh, we were just at a funeral, mm-hmm. you know, like people don't know what to do with that. People don't know how to hold that. Um, and then the other piece I'm thinking about, like, when you said we don't have the like support, I'm thinking about the only way I could face my grandmother's death at the end of last year was to wrestle through it, but I had to have a therapist and I, my therapist was also really expensive. <laughs> like, and, and like our work was the only reason that I was able to sit with her at the end because I couldn't, I would have ran away. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. And like, I think, you know, when you're, when you are like for me, And first of all, before I respond to that, I just want to build in and say that, um, that there is a lot of nuance to, um, Mexican culture. I am a white woman and I was not at all trying to make a blanket statement about, um, a culture that I'm not a part of. I just want to acknowledge that my experience when I have been in Mexico with my family is that the way that death is treated, um, is much different than how it is treated in 
in American society. 100%. Um, so, um, but yeah, I was going to respond to something else you just said. What were we just talking about? There was something else I was just going to say to what you said. I don't know. I, I was just saying it's hard. Like, it's like, we don't have that yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. I think I was just going to say, you know, for me as a, a working mom, um, who has, you know, a child that's in the throes of, of toddlerdom. I don't, I have so much responsibility on my shoulders right now. And, um, I have to keep myself emotionally in balance to be able to show up for all of my clients and for my child and for my partner and to be able to get up in the morning and go from 6am to 9pm straight through without a really a break. Um, and so I have to be careful about what's going to really derail me. And at the same time, I am trying to process my feelings in a healthy way. And it's this, it's this hard line to walk because there is a part of me that wants to give up everything and go sit with my dad um, from now until the end and be able to be there for him. And I, that would require me abandoning my ability to provide for my family and my child. And I, you know, I can't, I don't have the the luxury of that decision. Um, And so that's also hard. Yeah. I think, I don't know if there's a name for the generation. Like you're like in this like hardest time where you're caring for children and your parents. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, like my, when my grandma was sick, my mom was retired Mm -hmm. so it could give her more and that didn't make it easy but yeah she didn't have to you know um so and i'm just sitting here sarah being like okay so capitalism is the root of all of our our problems like we (laughs) but it's for another episode (laughs) but that's i'm like oh i hadn't made that connection on such like a deep way yeah yeah and like i i feel like i don't know enough about like different cultures and what it looks like in other cultures to be able to make a comparison. But I definitely think that the busyness of our society and what it, what we have to do to make a living, it makes it really hard for us to come into contact with not only our own death, but the death of people that we love. Yeah. So what do we do? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I there needs to be a fix, but I, I don't think that's the point of the topic, but, um, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, you know, they were talking about in my death doula training was to educate yourself about death and to really like, no, like really accept and face it is going to happen. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to everybody that you love. And what do you want that to look like? Mm -hmm. And, um, and these things sound really morbid to most people that they felt morbid to me as this workshop started. Um, what do you want done with your body? Um, you know, do, do your loved ones know how to, how to keep your body at home. Uh, you can keep a body at home for, I think up to seven days, as long as you keep it cold. Um, and you know, funeral homes charge you for every day that 
you have a body in their storage um, until you decide what you want to do with it. So, um, you know, and what do you want done with your body? And there are a lot of really like beautiful options, actually. Um, Again, I don't know. I don't want to scare anybody, but these are like things that you can learn more about. And they are decisions that we will all have to make for our loved ones. Yeah. Um, And that's why if we talk about it consciously too, like it's so interesting, like then we can, then we can, right? Like, because you told me that I said out loud at this lunch that I want to be composted into a tree. And my sister-in-law, who's very practical, was like, well, then you need to put that in your will, right? Which is like not something that I even have. And why don't I have that? Probably because of some denial of death, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, is this feeling like I'm getting into too morbid of territory? No. When I was at this, and we can just put a disclaimer in front of this and people can turn it off if it, if it's feeling too morbid. But when I went to this death doula training, you know, there are things that we don't know. Like if someone is dying in your care and like they have been dying, it's not a sudden death. You do not call 911. You call the sheriff's office because if you call 911, they will make you do mouth to mouth resuscitation on somebody. And, um, Oh, and it's not an emergency. So like there was a traumatic story of someone who had taken their own life and it was their partner and they were forced to do mouth to mouth until the um, police got there. And that's just so traumatic to have to go through that experience. There are just so many things we don't know about. Like, what do you do when someone dies? What do you how do you handle this process? And if you think about it again, like in comparison to birth, like we, when you're getting ready to have a baby, you have like a whole birth plan. You have it like all your options mapped out for you and people ask you about it and you talk about it. Yeah. Like this other side of the coin is like so taboo, which is interesting. And it's interesting what our culture has done about it. And I, again, I haven't like looked into research or history about this. This is just a, crappy first draft thought but I'm thinking about um you know as we're in fall and thinking about like how we celebrate death and dying and we do it in this weird way of like um Halloween and my neighborhood goes like wild like gravestones and skeletons and like people go all out and I'm like this is so interesting because it's such a taboo topic but it's this one time we can talk about it whereas like Dia de los Muertos or um, All Saints Day which is in the religion that I grew up in um, which is the day after Halloween like it there is a belief of like like a thinner veil and spirits going and it is just so interesting like what would it be like if we actually I don't know, let ourselves believe, not, not believe in certain beliefs, but like let ourselves talk about death. So it doesn't like shoot out in this like strange. Cause I think we want to. Yeah. It's almost like the only way we know how to do it is like spooky. And I love spooky. I'm a spooky queen, but I, but I like, I'm like, but let's also like death is also real. Like it's not just, it's not just a spooky thing. I don't yeah. know. There's maybe some yeah. some connection there between like our weird like fascination with like spookiness 
because we're like yeah. not allowed to talk about it in any other way. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's like, I think it's like your brother said, you were telling me that your brother said death is a sacred part of life. And, um, you know, for me, when I think about losing anyone that I love, like a parent, a partner, a best friend, an animal, any, I, I can't imagine, I think to not, um, have there be an honoring of that person is, makes it so much more traumatic. Like, um, weren't you sharing about, I don't know if you want to share the story about your friend who lost their parent during COVID and what they shared about like how not having a service was like, a. do you want to share that? Yeah. The missed opportunity. Like, uh, they missed out on like, you know, all the things we do, the stories, the, um, like hearing from people about their lives. So like funerals are, um, purposeful. And, and I think that the, like, I don't know, like the encouragement is that let's not wait till the funeral to be purposeful about it. And I don't mean we should talk about it all the time, but I think sometimes there's time for seriousness and like times to face it. Yeah. And I, I just think it allows us at the end to be, to have some closure and some like a sense of like beauty around the person's departure. Like my, my aunt, I think I shared about it maybe when I lost her, but she was a writer and she was part of a community of published poets and they put on this incredible memorial service for her. That was like, if she had been there, she would have been like, I could have just heard like how thrilled she would have been about it. Like everything down to the food and what was said about her and like her writing was read and it was just, it made it so much easier for me to say goodbye. Not that I don't miss her, but I felt like, we did right by her and it just felt like we got to really talk about what she meant to us in our lives. And I mean, funerals are a part of our society. People do them all the time, but I just think when we allow for this to be more of the conversation, we also allow ourselves to think about the meaning of and the impact that people have on our lives on a more regular basis. Yeah. And if we do let ourselves have these conversations, I'm just thinking as you're talking about this, I'm like, well then because you and I are having this conversation right now and we're in a time of our life where like we are going to face this, like we will, um, but we can maybe be a better support to one another because we're having this conversation instead of like going insular and you know, um, in, in both like the funerals and deaths that of loved ones, like I will be able to support you. You will be able to support me better because we're talking about this as a reality. And even, you know, should we be so lucky to live to old age that like we talk about those things with each other, right? Because, you know, you might support my family while they're doing that. And I might support your family or our families might support each other. So it'd be kind of cool to, to not have it be our everyday conversation, but to be like, you know, to know, like, Mm -hmm. 
what do we want this time to look like? And like, how do we want our loved ones to be with us when we are at the end? Should we be so lucky to have an end that is uh, more predicted than sudden? Yeah. And then maybe that brings us back full circle to like this idea of denial. Like, as you're saying all of that, I, I wonder if this was more of like an ongoing conversation, if it would make it easier to like, if, if it would make less feelings come out sideways, like yeah, if it would make it easier to just show up with love. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And can I say one more thing about yeah. when you're, when you are in the midst of a sick family member and I'm just thinking about like the difference between distraction and avoidance um, is just something that I also like to think about. Like you don't have to unpack and live there in like thinking about it all the time, but I, um, or distraction versus um, denial. Like it's good to be distracted when things are happening. Like, like we might need to not make a phone call or be thinking about it. We may need to go to the playground with our kid and not be thinking about what's happening to our family member. Um, And that doesn't mean you're um, denying what's happening either. So just like offering the distraction is a really great coping skill. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not mad at distraction. Yeah. That's how we live. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can't stay in the depths of despair all the time. Yeah. We probably won't talk about this topic again in this season. Maybe we yeah. will. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> we'll become a death podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you have an encouragement, Sarah? Um, (laughs) I mean, it honestly feels pretty pragmatic, but, or like more of a to do than like something more, um, yeah, ethereal is the wrong word, but something like that. Um, (laughs) but I think I encourage people to educate themselves on what their options are when you die, because I was absolutely blown away at what funeral homes do with your body. Either if you choose to be buried or cremated, um, I was completely blown away and do not want either of those options (laughs) as a result of what I learned. So I highly encourage everyone to educate themselves, um, so that you can make an informed decision, um, about how you want, what you, what you would like. What about you? Um, I encourage um, myself and our listeners to reframe death um, instead of something that is scary and that you want to run away from and instead like ask what is there for you? Um, How will it change how you show up, how you live when you know that death and grief are in the future? Right. Um, and like, yeah. So just maybe, maybe practice reframing it every once in a while to instead of something scary, maybe some, just to, to something sacred. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. All right. Signing off. 
Thanks for tuning in. Look for new episodes every other Monday and join in on the conversation on Instagram at two therapists in therapy.